Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It's time to break down some of our favorite and our least favorite bets for the Week 5 NFL slate. And with me to talk about it all is Greg Smith, co-founder of 2QBs.com, writer and podcaster for 4for4.com, one of the most accurate sports bettors in the BettingPros.com accuracy challenge, and most notably, the man who narrowly lost to me in the semifinals of the Scott Fishbowl last season. You can find him on Twitter at Greg Sauce. It is about time we got to talk, Greg. How the heck are ya? I'm doing all right, man. That's some sick rubbins you just got on the, the I Scott mean, Fishbowl beating you gave me. But I was I was in it, man. I was in there uh, for for a long time. I I'm proud I made it as far as I did. But man, you came so close to winning it all. I really appreciate that. I did. I definitely do not lose sleep over the fact that had I just started C.J. Anderson, I would have been the champion for the Scott Fishbowl eight. I'm definitely not bitter about it at all. But we had a lot of fun doing that, and uh, you know. I know you're in it again this year. Hopefully things will turn out uh, just a smidge better uh, for both of us. So look, for a while there, I checked it out. You were, I believe, leading the accuracy competition in our bettingpros.com challenge. Is that right? Or you were one or two, right? Before oh, last yeah. I week? Came, I came out real hot in the first three weeks. I was definitely number one in percentage of correct picks. And yep. I was just a little bit behind after week three in terms of units one. Uh, I was I was just barely behind somebody else. And forgive me for forgetting that person's name. I, I would say look it up on bettingpros.com. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a really good run for the first three weeks. And then week four, the great equalizer came crashing back down to earth. That's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah, you and me and a lot of betters out there. Week four was a real tough one. And full disclosure, because we had been on a pretty good run here on this podcast. I certainly got a few wrong last week. I was wrong on both the Pats laying seven to the Bills, which by the way was perhaps the most annoying game I've ever seen because the Pats <laughs> had about 50 chances to cover, but just couldn't get those extra two points. I was also wrong on the Cardinals getting six from the Seahawks, as well as my Marlon Mack prop bet. Now I did hit on the Panthers Texans coming in under 47 and a half, so not a complete wipeout. And our guest, J.J. Apresina, had a pretty nice weekend actually, nailing three of his four bets. So let's both go for the clean sweep here. You good with that, Greg? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right. As always, we're going to get started here with pick six, where both Greg and I are going to give three of our favorite bets for this weekend, either against the spread or on the over-under. And as always, I will note at the outset that we're recording this shortly before the Thursday night game between the Rams and the Seahawks, so we will not be making any picks on that game. But if you want to see how I or Greg pick that game, you can go to bettingpros.com. That's going to show you how I and every betting expert who makes picks on the site made their picks for every game. We're also going to be using the bettingpros.com consensus odds in making our picks. Those are the aggregate odds that you'll find available in the market. All right, Greg, start us off. What's your first pick here? So I'm taking Baltimore minus three at Pittsburgh. The Steelers are on a short week after playing on Monday Night Football, and they have an average point differential of minus 3.0 through four weeks. And meanwhile, Baltimore has an average point differential of plus 8.8 points. So even if home field is worth three points, that should still put the Ravens as bigger favorites in my mind. I expected a larger spread here. It actually started at 3.5. It's been bet down to three. I liked it at three and a half. I, I like it even more at three. So uh, I, I'm really into this line, this pick. Uh, if you want to go deeper on kind of the efficiency metrics for these two teams, I like to use DVOA from Football Outsiders. Uh, and it's all more good news for Baltimore. The Ravens rank fifth in total DVOA. The Steelers rank 24th. The Ravens have the third best offense, sixth in passing efficiency, and first in rushing efficiency. The Steelers rank 19th in defense, 19th against the pass, 20th against the run. And in the running game, there is a huge mismatch in the trenches. 
Pittsburgh D-line ranks 28th in adjusted line yards. Baltimore's O-line ranks 2nd. So either the Steelers are going to get run over by Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, or the Steelers are going to have to sell out against the run and risk getting burned by Marquise Brown and the rest of the receivers in that receiving core for Baltimore. And uh, on that note, I know we're going to get to player props later, but um, I I like taking Marquise Brown to top 100 receiving yards at plus 235 on points bet. I'm not going to make that my official player prop for this podcast. I'll I'll save that one for later uh, because I do think there is some risk that the running game goes ham for Baltimore and they just might not need to pass that much. Uh, Either way, I just don't trust Mason Rudolph to keep up on the other side of the ball. So I love the Ravens minus three. Well, first of all, I appreciate you not completely ruining the way I like to structure this show by giving away your top prop, but that is nice that you added on a bonus there. A couple of things here. I First of all, I agree with you. When I look at the line generally, it just it screams to me, Baltimore, I'm a little surprised because I'm looking at our consensus breakdown. 57% of experts are going here with Pittsburgh. Now, some of them got in probably when it was closer to four because the consensus mm-hmm. has moved a bit. But I'm a little bit surprised by that. The one thing that makes me a little hesitant about this, and I'm wondering whether or not this factors into you at all, Team, I know they have you know new offenses. I know Roethlisberger's not there, and Lamar Jackson's obviously new, and so everything's a little different. Every time these teams play, it's basically a close game. Half their games, you know, over the last several seasons, basically are decided by three points exactly. So does that type of history factor in at all, or do you just throw it out because it's an entirely new sort of set of circumstances here? Yeah, new teams, and and most importantly, it's a new quarterback for Pittsburgh. Like, all those other games were played with Ben Roethlisberger. This one's played with Mason Rudolph. That's a huge deal. Like, that's a major downgrade, especially if you've been watching Mason Rudolph over the past few weeks. He's looked serviceable. He's a a game manager type so far. But has he looked good? No way. Has he been able to push the ball down the field? Not at all. I don't trust him in this matchup whatsoever against a good coach, a good team in Baltimore. And I just think they're going to get run off the field. Now, if the line was four or five points, I'd be a little bit more hesitant. But if all Baltimore has to do is win by a field goal, I think that's very easily doable. I'm a little bit surprised that the line is here. I I mean, I'll be honest. Again, that gives me a little bit of pause just because, again, it's a divisional game. They're always a little bit scary. And the fact that the teams know each other well, even though the offenses are different and different quarterbacks, of course. Really, for me, Pittsburgh didn't look that good. I know they ran all over Cincinnati. I mean, first of all, any Andy Dalton-led team in primetime is is basically a guarantee to collapse. But, you know, (laughs) the Bengals really aren't good. And it was it was very gimmicky to me, right? I mean, it was a lot yeah. of wildcat, a lot of short passes. I just do not see them being able to replicate that again against Baltimore. So I don't think I've made my official pick on the site yet. I certainly lean that way. It gave me a little bit of pause because of the fact that the teams know each other so well. They're almost always within three points. They're certainly almost legitimately every time basically within one score. But certainly if I lean one way, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I, I, I agree on Baltimore uh, length three. My, uh, my first bet now, If you listen to the Monday show where we give our initial reactions to the lines, then you'll probably know that I'm going to be taking the Vikings laying five to the Giants. Now, there are a couple of things here. The bettingpros.com expert consensus rankers are pretty much split down the middle of this game. They slightly lean towards Minnesota. It's 54% to 56%. But we've also got a thing where we show you how the most accurate rankers, the top 20%, and that's both Greg and and me, we're both in there. That's 77% are taking the Giants, which makes me a little scared. So bear that in mind when I say that this is my favorite spread on the slate. Now, I'm having trouble, personally, seeing a scenario where this is not a get-right game for Minnesota. They are coming off this horrible, embarrassing loss to the Bears, and now they have losses to both the Bears and the Packers. They certainly cannot afford to lose a game like this. They've obviously struggled with their passing game. You've got Adam Thielen calling out the entire game plan. 
By the way, you should play Adam Thielen in all your DFS lineups this week, to be clear. But you've got Stefan Diggs basically begging the team to trade him. You've got Kirk Cousins apologizing for his terrible play. But putting that aside, Cousins is not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's had several terrible matchups, but we know that he's competent. And although the Vikings offensive line is not great, the Giants have absolutely no pass rush. They're 25th in the league against the pass, and they really struggle against play action. Janoris Jenkins is fine, but you can't draw conclusions from the way they played against the Redskins. Now, the Vikings, in addition to, I think, finally here opening up the passing game, they, of course, still have the dominant running game with Dalvin Cook. And the Giants, who don't have a great run defense anyway, just lost Ryan Connolly, one of their linebackers, to a torn ACL. Maybe Alec Ogletree comes back, but I don't think he'd play a full complement of stats anyway. So this strikes me as a game in which the Vikings' offense is going to look really strong and basically establish themselves. And on the other side, I think Daniel Jones probably looked better than his end line against the Redskins, but he obviously came back to earth. There's still no Saquon Barkley. I don't care about all this nonsense about how they're not ruling him out yet. If they play him, they're insane. Wayne Gallman is serviceable, but he's not going to win the game for them. I get Golden Tate is coming back, and that helps, but he's been away from the team for about a month. And the Vikings defense is excellent. They're seventh in the league in points and yardage allowed. Everson Griffin is playing great. Hunter is playing great. And Mike Zimmer knows Pat Shermer from his time with the Vikings. So I have this awful feeling as I look and I see how the most accurate experts are going on. And because I love this bet so much, I have this awful feeling that there's going to be a ton of like sharp action that comes in late on Sunday or something like that, because the bets overall here, the money and the number of bets generally are favoring the Vikings. But I really don't care. To me, I'm taking the Vikings laying five and I I feel pretty good about it. I don't know how you feel. No, I'm with you on that. I love the point you brought up about how they're not giving up that many points. Their point differential is 5.3 points per game. Uh, New York is at negative two and a half points. So right there, you you can kind of see where that spread comes from, right? Uh, To some extent. Uh, Sure. Especially factoring in three points for home field. And that's my biggest concern here is that you're taking the Vikings on the road. But hopefully that means that they are going to have to pass a little bit more. They're not just going to be able to lean on that running game like they normally would. And along those lines, I think this is one of those squeaky wheel gets the grease sorts of scenarios with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Like, I do think they are going to make an effort to pass a little bit more. And this is the perfect match to do it. Like you said, the Giants have been pretty bad against the pass. And I, I think this is a, a get right game for the Vikings. I, I really like this call. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I get the road thing. Of course, they're in New York. But I mean, look, I, I realize they've played so much better at home than on the road. But on the road, they've that they face the uh, Packers and the Bears. I mean, that those are two right. very, very strong defenses, you know, especially the Packers against the pass. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass for that. I just think this is, I mean, as much as they seem like they might be in disarray, they I, they just strike me as a much, much better team. I, and as much as I, I like Daniel Jones and I like what I've seen from him, I'm not really buying that he's sort of going to be this guy who's going to transform this team. I think the Vikings win here and I think they win big. So I'll take that. Who's your second pick? So I'm taking the Titans minus two and a half against Buffalo. The Titans are at home. Uh, Average point differential for Tennessee is 7.3 points, and it's 3.3 points for Buffalo. So it should come as no surprise that after the line opened at uh, Titans minus two and a half, it got bet up to Titans minus three. Either way, like I still like the the Titans at minus three. Uh, If Josh Allen doesn't clear concussion protocol, the Bills are going to start Matt Barkley in this game. Uh, But even if Allen plays, he'll have a tough time against Tennessee's defense. They're super balanced. 
Against the run, they rank 13th in DVOA and 5th in adjusted line yards. Against the pass, the Titans rank 12th in DVOA and 8th in adjusted sack rate. Buffalo's defense ranks better in overall DVOA, ranking 4th in the NFL. But that's mostly due to how excellent their pass defense has been. Uh, They rank 3rd in pass defense DVOA, the Bills do. But the Bills have been much worse against the run, where they rank 25th in the DVOA. So I think you got to look for Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis to do some damage in this contest. All in all, I just think these two teams are really close, but the Titans are slightly better, and they're playing at home, and Buffalo's quarterback is questionable. So give me Tennessee at minus two and a half or minus three. Out of curiosity, what? how would you feel about the fact if Allen is ruled out and Barkley plays? Because again, we know Matt Barkley from his career. He did look, you know, decent uh, when he filled in there against the Pats, and Allen, as sort of he's able to to make plays with his legs he's incredibly inaccurate I mean he, he throws more than an interception mm-hmm. per game does it significantly like strengthen your bet if you find out Barkley because I'm just going to say I agree with you I, I I like Tennessee here laying the three points it doesn't really matter to me but I, I don't feel like it would make a huge difference to me necessarily if it were Matt Barkley versus Josh Allen I don't know if you agree with that no I don't think it would either I mean it makes some difference but ultimately these are two sketchy quarterbacks and I, I would rather them be facing Barkley just because he hasn't had all the preseason and practice sure. and real game reps for the first few weeks of the season. I think that matters. Uh, and in general, Tennessee just has a, a way of looking all offenses look really bad. Like, look what they did to Matt Ryan and the Falcons last year or last week. That mm-hmm. was one of the few games I got right in week four. Uh, I, so maybe I'm you know, chasing the points here a little bit with the Titans uh, because Buffalo's defense is good. Like that's what gives me some pause here is that maybe they just keep it close through their defense. It doesn't matter how bad their quarterback play is because it's not like, you know, Marcus Mariota is a world beater either. Uh, My main concern here is whether or not the Mariota will kind of shoot himself in the foot in this game against a real defense because last week he wasn't playing that in the Falcons. Uh, But I, I like the Titans defense. I like their running game. And I think that those two aspects of their team line up really well against Buffalo this week. Yeah, I agree. Certainly, if there is a weakness to the Buffalo defense, and again, it is really strong. I I completely undersold it uh, last week when the Pats were going in there, and I, you know, the way they performed was really, really, you know, surprising to me. Although it probably shouldn't have been, but in the end, if you are going to attack them, it is probably on the ground. And again, just to make it clear, the betters, at least on BettingPros.com, the consensus are with you, fifty-eight percent taking Tennessee here, and of the most accurate, the top twenty percent. 83% are taking the Titans. So that is the way that I am leaning as well. So I like that pick. I think it's good. I don't have any concerns, even if Josh Allen plays. So my next pick is that I'm going to go a little over under here and I'm going to go the Broncos and Chargers over 44 and a half. Now, I think this might be the first over that I've picked on this show, Greg. So you are basically here for history. Um, All right. Both- but, all right, let's do it. Every time every time you come on the show, I will pick an over. That's my promise to you if you come back. Um, both offenses here have been surprisingly competent. And surprisingly, that's really for the Broncos, okay? The Chargers, they sort of are what they are. Other than on the road against the Lions, have been better defensively, frankly, than I, I think people, myself included, expected. They've been able to put up points. They're third in the league in passing yards per game, fifth in total yards per game. They'll get Melvin Gordon back here. Mike Williams looks like he'll be good to go. I know he was limited in practice today, but he does look like he's trending in the right direction. There's little reason to think that they'll struggle to move the ball against Denver. Everyone knows that the Broncos didn't have a sack until last week against the Jaguars. Now Bradley Chubb is out for the season. It's skewed a bit by the fact that Fournette, you know, had that huge game last week, but Denver is 30th against the run. And Chris Harris may shadow Keenan Allen. That's certainly something to consider, but I just don't see anything from the Broncos to suggest that their defense is going to be able to hold the Chargers in check here. Now the Broncos on the other side of the ball 
have a kind of surprisingly competent offense. I mean, Joe Flacco has actually fit in kind of well with the system. He's on pace for 4,304 passing yards, just a shy off his career best. And remember, they've played the Bears and the Packers, two very strong defenses. Again, as I said earlier, the Packers particularly against the pass. Emmanuel Sanders has made a miraculous recovery from last year's injury. Cortland Sutton is very underrated. They have two solid running backs in Lindsey and Freeman. And the Chargers, as usual, are dealing with a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. They're about middle of the road in defense, despite playing a lot of struggling offenses. It looks like Melvin Ingram might miss this game, further weakening that defense. So I expect both teams here to be able to top 20 points. So I admit I'm slightly nervous at taking an over when it involves the Broncos. But here I think that both teams are going to be able to move the ball on the opposing defenses. So I'm fine with laying some money on over 44 and a half. Yeah, see, my biggest concern with this over is the risk of just getting game scripted out of it, because we've seen how easily teams have been able to run on the Broncos. And if the Chargers are, have been paying attention, they would maybe try to lean into that trend and just pound Melvin Gordon, pound Austin Eckler into the ground here and just slow the game down, you know, win small and not drive the score up. Uh, I, I That would be my primary concern here. Do you have any worries about that sort of outcome? Sure, but I mean, look at what the Jaguars did last week with Leonard Fournette and that game, I think, totaled 50 when it was end. I mean, I, I agree that I certainly think that they could do it, but I think the difference is I think that um, the, the Broncos are able to score. Uh, you know, and I think that they're desperate. Not that that really matters because they're not a great team, although they easily could have three wins at this point. They, they've let a few games get away. So even if um, the Chargers lean on the run here heavily, and again, I don't expect Melvin Gordon to just come out here and get 25 carries or anything like that. No. I, I'm I, Right. I mean, I, you know, in the end, that's what it is. And Eckler, you know, is great, but he's not a guy who you can pound into the ground right there. He's much more out of the passing game. I think that, you know, they'll take their shots enough. Um, but what it really comes down to is even if they lean on the run, I expect the Broncos to be able to put up points here. So I don't see this as a Chargers are up 17 nothing, and they're just going to run and slow the ball. I think that they, the Broncos are going to be able to put up points here. So I'm okay, 44 and a half. I admit, completely. I have minor concerns here, especially because of the Broncos, and I don't like, you know, the Broncos basically are going to have to put up 20 points to be able to make this work. Um, but I think they can. And I think, you know, again, they've also played some tough defenses. They've played the Packers. They've played the Bears. So the fact that Joe Flacco is performing as he is and the offense is, is gelling as much as it is, I think is sort of a testament to the fact that they probably actually have a pretty decent offense, and I think they're going to be able to move the ball here. Yeah, the thing I like about this bet is that it kind of plays against public perception, which is a big part, I think, of sports betting, is you kind of have to fade the public for the most part. And people are going to look at the Broncos versus the Chargers, and they're going to think back to, you know, not just last week and the week before that, but even last season. And there's this residual effect of these teams are good defensive teams, and oh, I want to take the under on this over-under. But I like the case that you've laid out. Like, you look at the offense for Denver, they've been surprisingly good. They rank 12th in DVOA. And the passing defense for the Chargers has been surprisingly bad, the uh, 30th in DVOA. So I see the the blueprint for what you're what you're going for. Like I said, my main concern is that considering how banged up the Chargers receivers are, and the fact that they just got Melvin Gordon back, makes me think that they might just try to slow the game down, run fewer plays, and uh, just just go with a run heavy approach. But yeah, if if Bronco if the Broncos can score, it might not matter. Yeah, and it's it's a good point you bring up when you're fading the public because that that's a winning strategy um, in the long term. And here. It kind of plays right into that. Uh, I'm looking at the splits. Uh, it's roughly 50-50, slightly more 
on the under here on the number of bets, but the total money bet is about three to one in favor of the over. So I, I think that that shows you that most likely the sharper bettors are going with the over and they're going against the public, and that's usually a winning scenario. So for the that reason, uh, I feel pretty good there about going with over forty four and a half. Let's get to your third one here. What do you got for me? Okay. This team has burned me continuously through this season, but I'm taking the Cardinals plus three at Cincinnati. Wow. Uh, these teams rank 30th and 31st in total DVOA. And if you look at the DAVE numbers, uh, the Dave numbers at Football Outsiders, which weight their preseason projections, they rank 29th and 31st. And we're splitting hairs when it comes to teams that are that close. But in both cases, Arizona ranked higher than Cincinnati. So while we have to take a grain of salt for the slim margins between these two teams, the Cardinals are a better team analytically. Uh, They also have a better point differential than the Bengals by about three points. So how come the cards are three-point underdogs? Uh, Ultimately, this matchup just appears to be a true test of that home field advantage being worth three-point scenario, right? But as close as these two teams are in overall efficiency, there are certain angles where I feel like Arizona has a distinct advantage, specifically with their rushing offense. The Cardinals rank 5th in rushing offense DVOA, while the Bengals rank 22nd in rushing defense DVOA. And as bad as the Arizona O-line has been in pass protection, where they're 28th in adjusted sack rate, they've been really solid in the running game with an adjusted line yards mark, ranking 11th best in the NFL. And for comparison, you look at the other side of the the line matchup there, the Bengals D-line ranks 22nd in adjusted line yards. So you add it all up, and the Cardinals should be able to run the ball. And that's probably the biggest concern I have with someone who might try to talk themselves into the over on this game of 47 points based upon the projected pace of these two teams. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I think the over is probably still a better bet than the under based on those projected pace stats. But I, I, I don't know. We haven't seen these teams play with a big lead yet. And so if Arizona gets up big or if Cincinnati gets up big, does that uh, that pace that we're expecting come crashing down? Uh, but in general, Arizona is by far the fastest team. Cincinnati ranks 10th in seconds per play. And when the score differential is plus or minus six points, I, you know, that is a one possession game. Um, so I'm not going to pick the over with high confidence. Uh, there's just too much risk of a run heavy approach from Arizona, kind of sucking the life out of the, out of the ball. Like we just talked about with uh, the Chargers, uh, especially now that the Bengals are missing John Brown to injury. So while I do like the over in this matchup, I'm much more inclined just to tout the underdog who probably shouldn't be an underdog. So I'm going to take the points. I'm going to take Arizona. I think that they should be able to cover this if not win it outright. Yeah, the consensus is with you. 63% favor Arizona and 73% of the top 20% most accurate experts also favor Arizona. I think we can put this one, I think, honestly, it, with all of your picks, every they all fall into the same bucket for how I feel about them, which is when I make my picks on the site, I'm going to go with them because that is the way I lean. I don't feel quite as strong about it just because I feel like I've been backing Arizona, you know, especially yeah. last week against the Seahawks and and they look terrible. I actually think, you know, you brought up the injury to John Ross and I, I think that actually is a big deal if just because it strikes me as Zach Taylor's system kind of needs someone to really stretch the field there mm-hmm. to open things up, right? I mean, even though Ross doesn't get that many targets and he's really just kind of a big play guy or he had been so far, you know, you don't have AJ Green yet. So without that field stretcher right there, I actually think that that's going to have a pretty big impact on the way the Bengals are able to run their offense. And again, they're coming off the short week. Uh, they looked absolutely terrible um their offensive line is is dreadful um and again it's two bad defenses so i i agree with you know i probably lean towards the over overall i know that's not your pick anyway but um i i do think that cincinnati might have a little more trouble you know i know they they couldn't move the ball at all um last week against the steelers but i think they might have sort of surprising trouble putting up points here um against uh, an admittedly bad defense so 
I certainly lean towards Arizona with you. I'm not going crazy over it just because, man, Arizona, it's just, they're just not a great football team, um, especially right now with with Peterson still out and their you know their um, injuries to their cornerbacks um, and their offensive line as well. But uh, if they lean on the run here a little more, which is what you think they're going to wind up doing, I certainly think that that leans towards Arizona getting three points. All right, let's move on here. My last one is I am taking another over-under here, but I'm going back to my favorite, which is under, and I'm going to take the Cowboys and the Packers to come in under 46 and a half. Now, my reasoning here is not rocket science. Just take a giant step back. Think about the game from like an average football fan's point of view. If you are the Packers defense, you probably want to do what you can to keep Dak Prescott on the sideline as much as possible. And if you're the Cowboys, you want to do the same with Aaron Rodgers. And if you're the Cowboys, you're in luck because even though the Packers have an outstanding pass defense, as I've mentioned three times already, they have a pretty leaky run defense. And that sounds like a whole lot of Ezekiel Elliott to me with long, methodical drives. And you add to that the fact that Tyron Smith is going to miss this game. And I think the Cowboys are going to have major struggles moving the ball through the air. And the Packers are off a mini buy, and Dallas is on a bit of a short week. Now, I ordinarily, I would say, okay, well, let the Packers are probably going to be able to move the ball pretty well, put up some points. But again, you've got Devontae Adams almost certainly missing this game. Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Jimmy Graham. You saw how frustrated Aaron Rodgers was without Adams there at the end of the game. You still have Aaron Jones, of course, but Dallas overall has a pretty solid defense. And the Packers, for whatever reason, they just stopped playing in the second half. I mean, I don't know how many points. I want to say it's like 10 points or fewer that they put up in the second half all season long. So this game strikes me as a close game, relatively low scoring. The total has come down since that look ahead line. I think it might have been 47 and a half at some point. But for now, I will take the under on 46 and a half. And I, I, this one strikes me as something where it's going to be much closer to like, you know, mid between 35 and 40 as both teams try to kind of control the ball. Well, this is another classic case where you're fading the public. The The Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys are two of the most traditional public teams. They, they have some of the biggest fan bases out there. People love to bet on them and people love to bet the over. People love to root for more points, not fewer points. And with that in mind, it does not surprise me that the books are inflating maybe the over-under by a point or two uh, to account for that. And so I love this call. I think in general, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit more washed than some people might want to admit. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's not the quarterback he once used to be. And you see that reflected in their offensive numbers. They rank 16th in DVOA, 13th in passing offense DVOA. He is not an elite passer anymore. And if they're missing Demonte Adams, like you said, this could be kind of a rude awakening for them against a pretty solid Cowboys defense. And above all that point you made about Ezekiel Elliott going crazy against uh, this Green Bay running defense. Uh, that's a great one. The Packers rank 27th in rushing defense DVOA, 31st in adjusted line yards uh, along the defensive line. So yep, I, I totally agree. This is a great call. It might be the best bet that we've thrown out here all game or all day because it is one that really kind of clashes against that, that public team perception. Yeah, and again, it, it is going against the way the game is being bet. It's about 50-50 split on the over-under here uh, in the number of bets, but the uh, the money coming in is about 65% in favor of the under. So that's another game where you know the sharper bettors are probably hitting the under. And again, you, you called it right. I mean, this is a game. And when, when bookmakers set the lines, they think about which way the public's going to go, of course, mm-hmm. because they want the money to basically even out on both sides. So it is something where I think this line is set intentionally. It has come down, as I've said, but not enough for me to be scared off it. I, I feel pretty comfortable at it, even at 46 and a half. 
All right, let us recap. You have uh, the Ravens over the Steelers uh, giving three, the Titans laying three to the Bills, and the Cardinals getting three from the Bengals. I get that right? Correct. All right, good. I've got the Vikings laying five to the Giants, the Chargers and the Broncos to go over 44 and a half, and the Cowboys and the Packers to come in under 46 and a half. Now, before we move on, I want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Now, you know about BetMGM already, and in particular, the BetMGM Sports app, because it's the easiest and best way to place a bet if you are in the state of New Jersey. Just search for and download the BetMGM Sports app on your phone or visit BetMGM.com, sign up for an account, and you can place a bet right from your home. And once you sign up for an account, you'll want to pay attention because BetMGM offers boosted bets and promotions across all major sports. I mentioned this last week, but there was a Daniel Jones boosted bet in his first game against the Bucs where the odds on him to throw even a single touchdown pass were dropped significantly such that you could make even money if you placed a bet where ordinarily you'd be laying about minus 375. They also let you track your bets in real time, and they offer early cash outs where you can settle a bet before the game even ends to lock in your winnings or cut your losses. And if you sign up right now, you can get a free $500 bet. Here's the deal. When you download the BetMGM Sports app and you sign up using our promo code Harris, that's my last name, Harris, then your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose, BetMGM credits you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. Just download the app and use the promo code Harris to claim their promotion. And you can go to BetMGM.com for further details. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit betmgm.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Greg, let's move on to It's a Trap, where we list the line that we are avoiding. Start us off. Yeah, so there are a couple of directions I wasn't sure. There are a lot of lines I'm avoiding basically every week. I think that's a key takeaway here. But I'm going to go with Cleveland at San Francisco, minus three and a half. I just don't think we know who these teams really are yet. We've seen the Browns show some signs that they're getting on track. And while I did expect the 49ers to make a bit of a leap this season, the way they've done it, mostly with defense, has caught me off guard. So I don't, I don't have a good feel for either of these teams just yet. I think it's going to take me a couple more weeks. But more than anything else, I just hate the number. If it was a flat minus three, I'd feel much safer laying the wood with San Francisco, especially as they come off their bye. But that extra half point, while it might not seem like much, is enough to scare me off. I just have no idea what to do with this game. Uh, what do you think about uh, Browns at Niners? A hundred percent. There's a, first of all, there, you bring up a good point, which is there's a huge difference between three and three and a half. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a very big difference. It's off the key number for me. No idea. And, and that's the thing. I mean, last week I, I felt pretty comfortable with the Ravens laying a pretty big number to the Browns because everything I had seen from the Browns made me essentially think that they're in complete disarray. Well, they looked great last week and I realized there was an unexpected injury on the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore, but they looked so much better than I could remember them looking. And there's no reason for them to be playing just so disjointed as they had been all season long. So I can see them coming back. On the other side, the 49ers, this, it's, this is just very unexpected at this point, and I haven't really gotten a good sense of that. And again, to your exact point, and the, you know, I don't think there could be any greater endorsement of the fact that you want to avoid this bet, is that when you look at the consensus breakdown, it's 53% to 47%, so it's split roughly down the middle. And if you look at the top 20% of most accurate experts, it's exactly 50-50. I think that it basically says it all. It's because there is no smart lean on this one whatsoever. I have absolutely no feel for it. I, I'll be honest. 
honest, I ask uh, our guests to send me their picks in advance just so I can make sure that I don't accidentally jump on them beforehand. This was definitely going to be my bet to avoid. I told Greg he could do whatever he wanted. It would be fine. This 100% would have been my bet to avoid because I have zero feel for it. So I I hate you for stealing it, but I I do think that it's a great pick. So I agree 100%. For me, I'm going to go with my second bet to avoid. And again, you pointed it correctly. There are a lot of bets that we could be talking about each and every week, and especially this week. I'm avoiding the Texans laying five to the Falcons. First of all, that's basically what I kind of expected to see from the point spread, but I think both these teams are a little desperate for a win here, and I kind of expect this to be a shootout. The Falcons' defense is pretty banged up. We know they lost Keanu Neal. Deshaun Watson has been playing poorly. There is going to be a lot of DeAndre Hopkins in this game and a lot of points from Houston, but I also think there's going to be a ton of points from the Falcons here, and I realize they have not played well. They have issues with their offensive line, but I think they know they have to get Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley more involved than last week. I think they can easily have success against the Houston secondary. And even if Houston wins, like I expect, and even if they can jump out to a lead, I can completely see this last second cover for the Falcons in this type of game. It's just two teams that have really underperformed in my mind. It's hard to know what to expect from them. And I think both teams are going to try to use this as a get right game. So when I looked at this and I could not get a feel for it, so I'm completely staying away from this. Yeah, this is one of the games that I wrote up in my rankings article at 2QBs.com this week. And the specific conceit was that this game could go either way. Like you said, we don't really know, you know, are, are the Falcons truly as bad as they've looked so far? I mean, it seems like they are, but I think we have to beware of recency bias because the Titans last week, they have a way of making other teams look bad, like we talked about earlier. Uh, and Houston's pass defense is such a mess. Like they have so many injuries in that secondary that even if Houston is cruising, that backdoor cover from Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley and company, like that's definitely in play. I expected, you know, Houston minus three, Houston minus four. Uh, so Houston minus five or five and a half, that that really is scary to me. If anything, I would take Atlanta here, but I agree in general, it's probably just to stay away. The five is is kind of what I thought it would be. As I said, it's a big number. But again, this is right. You completely see the backdoor cover. That That's exactly what this would be. It would be, be oh, I feel pretty good. I think it's going to go. And then, but the risk of the backdoor cover is just screaming at you from this. So for me, I'm totally going to stay away. So you've got, you're avoiding uh, the Browns at the 49ers with the 49ers laying three and a half. And I am avoiding the Falcons at the Texans uh, where the Texans are laying five. All right, real quick. Go ahead. Can I, can, can I, yeah. I hate to interrupt the show and, and steer this in another direction, but can I, can I throw one more game at you just to get your temperature on? Because this is another one I've been struggling with. 100%. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. The line opened as high, I think, as five and a half points. It's Now it's all the way down to three points with New Orleans as the favorite. So all the value that might have been on Tampa Bay has been bet away. And this is another one where I, another matchup where I feel like it's hard to pin down exactly how good these teams are. What do you think about this one? Because this is one that I really struggled with. If if it's at three right now, is that what you're saying? The consensus is all the way down that low? Yes. Let me see it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, I hadn't looked at it yet today because last I saw, it was at three and a half. And again, I saw it earlier in the week when it was high. No, not at three. Not not anywhere close to it at three. I, I really liked it when it was closer to five. And I liked it for the Bucs um, because I... I to me, you and everyone else, apparently, right? I got. I mean, I I guarantee they got hammered. The the books must have gotten completely hammered. I mean, in the end, the Saints look. They kudos to the uh, coaching staff and Sean Payton. They're winning games, relying on their defense. Teddy Bridgewater looks terrible. I mean, he really just does not look good. And although you can attack the Bucks through the air, I don't really have faith that Bridgewater is going to do it. So I don't expect the Saints to be putting up a ton of uh, points here in this game. And the Bucks. 
I, you know, they're a little Jekyll and Hyde, I get, but, you know, you can see what that offense can do even against a strong defense. So if you were giving me five points, I was all over it. At three, ugh, I don't like it. I, if anything, I think I'd, I'd risk it and take the Bucks on the money line and go for it that way because I could see them winning outright. But I, I don't think I have any interest in it going three. I actually, honestly, I did not even realize that it had gone down that low so certainly that low three and a half i'm a little intrigued where it was but still probably staying away when it was more at four four and a half even five at some places i was all over it all right real quick before we get to our next segment i do want to remind everyone about our contest where we're giving away a signed alvin Kamara helmet courtesy of our good friends over at pristine auction you've got a couple more weeks here to enter so go ahead and do so just leave a review for the show on itunes or stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. And if you entered last month's contest, you are already in. So no worries there. All right, Greg, it is time for Top Prop, where we list our top player prop for the weekend. Now, you mentioned Marquise Brown. Is that right? That that was one of the ones you like, but not your top prop. Is that right? Yeah, I considered that one. And that one might be safer than the one I'm going to go with. But uh, yeah, I've got a different one. All right, go for it. So my top prop is Kyler Murray to go over 300 passing yards at plus 350. This pick ties directly into my earlier pick of Arizona and, you know, that lean towards the over. Uh, The pace of this game should be very up-tempo. According to Football Outsiders, the Cardinals rank first in situation neutral pace. The Bengals rank 12th. And overall, the Cards rank first and seconds per play while the Bengals rank seventh. Uh, So that's in all situations. Um, Murray himself has eclipsed 300 passing yards twice this season already against Baltimore and against De- Detroit, although that did have some help from overtime. Uh, against the Panthers, he only got to 171 yards, but Carolina's defense is one of the best in the league. And against the Seahawks, Kyler made it to 241 yards, but Seattle plays with one of the slowest paces in the league. So it kind of makes sense that uh, the Cardinals got slowed down in that he wasn't able to throw quite as much. Now Kyler Murray gets to face an up-tempo team with a bad defense, like the Bengals are really bad, and the Cardinals play with that frenetic pace themselves. So I think it makes sense to project a lot of yardage, a lot of scoring in this game. Uh, As I alluded to earlier when discussing uh, the game, you know, the line and the total, there is some risk of a run-heavy approach with Arizona, uh, with David Johnson and Chase Edmonds. And on top of that, we we do have yet to see either of these teams play with a lead of greater than seven points. Uh, So we don't really have any indication of what their paces might be if they can establish some sort of points cushion. So I I guess if you want to play it more conservative, you can scale back the upside uh, and get Kyler Murray to hit 250 passing yards at plus 106. So that's kind of a backup if you're not quite as greedy as I am. Uh, but I'd rather take the shot at the bigger payout with 300 more, 300 or more passing yards at plus 350. Yeah, I love the odds there. I mean, plus 350 because they are going to be able to move the ball pretty much at will. I mean, you see, you know, Christian Kirk uh, being out might affect it a little bit because I think he's already been ruled out for the game. But the Bengals are such they're so terrible at tackling. I, I wrote off the game against the 49ers where they could not tackle anyone because they looked halfway decent against uh, the Seahawks in week one. But man, they are just I mean, you can you can take a, a short you know, uh, screen pass, or you can take a slant and you can just take it to the house because I can't tackle anybody. I was going to ask you, but you brought it up and you got ahead of it, is that you did say that you expected this to be probably focused a little bit more on the run, ideally, for the Cardinals, but at plus 350, I mean, those are, are great odds in a game where Murray, who has put up, you know, big passing numbers already at some point this season, can get there again. So I do like the pick particularly with the odds. And I, I like going a little bolder, you know, than the 250 because, uh, you know, plus 350, that's a nice little payday if you can hit it. Well, and as much as we might 
look at the matchup and say, oh, they should be running the ball more. We know that that's not the Arizona philosophy, right? Kingsbury wants to be chucking it all the time. He wants to run four wide, five wide. And when he gets to face as a team as bad as the Bengals, he actually will have the opportunity to do that without, you know, even if he does like forego that good rushing matchup. Uh, so he can still rush at times and exploit that. But I think if anything, he might just do that to set up more passing because we know that's what he really wants to be doing. Yes, absolutely. He makes no secrets about it. So uh, I like it, especially with the giant odds that you're getting. I'm going to go a little more conservative, um, but it does tie into one of my other picks or rather non-pick. And I am taking DeAndre Hopkins to go over 86 and a half yards at minus 114. If DeAndre Hopkins does not go over 86 and a half yards. I'm going to do one of next week's shows with a British accent the entire way. Okay. He has surpassed that number in just one of four games this year, but it's about to be two. I don't know which one of Desmond Trufant or Isaiah Oliver is going to be on Hopkins for most of the day, but it's not going to matter. As I said, I think the Texans are going to put up a ton of points here. I think Hopkins is going to have a big role in it. And at minus 114, I mean, that's really not that much juice to have to lay. So I feel pretty confident. I realize, I know, one out of the four games, but this is a game, both him and Julio Jones, I think, are going to have huge games. I expect uh, both teams to put up a ton of points here. So if he doesn't go over 80, this is the prop, I'm going to be honest, this is the prop since we started this that I feel most confident in so i'm calling it british accent if it doesn't hit i'm ready to do it on one of the next two shows are you with me i i love it i think this is going to be one of those shootout type matchups and especially considering that atlanta secondary hopkins should be able to get his they're going to try to get him going the main concern i might have is that if atlanta knowing that they have such a bad pass defense focuses a ton of attention on hopkins maybe will fuller and kiki qt are the two who do most of the damage but We've seen teams try to, you know, rein in Hopkins in the past. It's just not that easy to do, even with, you know, uh, occasional double coverage. So I, I like it. I think I, I might have even gone bolder, like looked at the props for 100 yards or whatever, but maybe uh, the payoff just wasn't quite there. I'm not sure exactly what you were looking at, but I, I like it. 86 yards seems like a gimme. Yeah, I, I I completely agree that, you know, especially Kenny Stills is probably going to be out for this game. So that's one fewer weapon. You could have the defenses focusing in on Hopkins. I expect Will Fuller to have a big game too, but the thing is, just not with Trufant and Oliver. Like, it, it's not going to matter to me. You can give them safety help. I don't think it's going to matter with Hopkins in this mm -hmm. game. I think this is a game, you know, it, it's not quite Adam Thielen, but there's rumblings here about the fact that Hopkins hasn't gotten any production and that he needs to. And again, you know, he could have in the past. Watson has just missed him um, a couple times, him and Fuller, last week, as he explained in that in that great clip um, with that reporter. But um, in the end, I think this is going to be a monstrous game. I, I would I would probably lay it on a Will Fuller prop, too, because I think both guys are going to have a big one. So you will go with Kyler Murray, who I hope you're right, by the way, because I do have a lot of uh, stock in him in fantasy. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, Same. To go over 300 passing yards at plus 350, I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins over 86 and a half receiving yards at minus 114. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for joining me, Greg. Remind everyone where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can find uh, me podcasting over at 4 for 4 Weekly. I do a, a recap and waiver recommendation show uh, early in the week for fantasy football. Uh, and then on that same 
uh, feed, the most accurate podcast. You're also going to get episodes from John Paulson and Anthony Stalter. And uh, if you're familiar with Fantasy Pros, Paulson is uh, one of the most accurate guys year after year. So definitely you want to check out our podcast feed over there. Uh, you can find my weekly rankings for fantasy football over at 2QBs.com. And in those articles, I try to work in a pick or two uh, every week. Uh, I do a game flobotics spreadsheet uh, that you'll see me tweet out every once in a while. All these DVOA numbers, all these point differential numbers, uh, that stuff that I'm pulling directly from this spreadsheet, uh, it's publicly available data from uh, Football Outsiders. I color code the spreadsheet so that you can kind of see how the teams match up against each other. I, I started making it for myself way back in the day just as a tool to use week to week when I'm figuring out which players I want to use in fantasy, which uh, games I want to bet. And I decided, hey, might as well just put this out there for everybody to use. So check that out. Uh, and otherwise, follow me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. Yeah, you do awesome work. I, I really want to make sure everybody goes and checks it out because, you know, I, I've been following you sort of, you know, quite, this is the first time you and I have ever actually talked, but I've been following your work for a while. So it was really great to have you on. I hope we can talk again this season. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Good luck in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, thanks a lot. I want to remind everyone about BetMGM, where you can place your first wager of up to $500 risk-free. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Alvin Kamara signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend, my friends. We'll be back breaking down the early lines next week.